Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. As you guys are standing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right into this. We're going to read this passage of scripture. It's going to be up on the screen. We're talking about the story of Joseph. This is our last Sunday talking about what we're calling this, the power of preparation. So the scripture says this in Genesis 41, 14 through 16. It says, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph. He was in the dungeon. First he was in the ditch and then he was in the dungeon. Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought up from the dungeon. And when he had shaved and changed his clothes and he, became, he came before Pharaoh, he had to get clean because he was in jail for a long time. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it, Joseph. To which Joseph said, I can't do it. I can't. But I know God will. He said, I can't do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I want to talk to you today. The title of my collection today, the title of my talk today is I Can't, But God Will. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we're so grateful for who you are in this place. God, I pray that you would move in a powerful way, God. I pray that you would remind us that at the end of the day, there's really nothing we can do outside of you. But when we put our faith and trust in who you are, God, you begin to show up and show off in our lives. And may we remind ourselves it wasn't us, it was you. I can't, God, but I know you will. And it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. Thank you so much again for coming to Coin Church. We're going to jump right into this because there's a lot to talk about. We've been talking about this guy named Joseph, the power of preparation. And as we continue in weeks and weeks, I I just want to encourage you just to invite your friends, invite your family. This is a space that I just am praying that God continues to grow, that God continues to move in our lives. But at the end of the day, you came to church for a reason. You came to church to hear a word from God. And so I've been praying and I've been getting ready for this moment. And so we find ourselves at the last kind of talk of Joseph's life, though there's so much to talk about in Joseph's life. There's something about the power of preparation. So we, we learned that, that Joseph, he was different and he had a coat of many colors. He had his Gucci sweater on that his father gave him. He had favor from his dad and his brothers hated him. They couldn't stand him. He was different. And so he found himself in a ditch that wasn't his own ditch. He should have died from the ditch, but he didn't. Sold into an Ishmaelite caravan, found himself in Potiphar's house, and then God blessed him. God blessed his hand. Everything Joseph put his hand to, God blessed. And then wrongly accused because he ran away from Potiphar's wife he's thrown into a dungeon and so we talked last week about ditches and dungeons and how ditches and dungeons if you allow them if you allow yourself to be an offense if you allow yourself to be so broken by the ditch and the dungeon you might not realize that it's in the ditch and the dungeon that God is doing his greatest work on you and so this week we talk about this conversation that Joseph had with Pharaoh, Pharaoh, I mean Pharaoh, like in, in real life, real time, in history, in the Egyptian world, this Pharaoh. I don't know if you knew that about the scriptures, but it aligns very well with the history of humanity. And so we find ourselves not talking about a story, a story tale or, or a fairy tale or, or just a mythological story. This, was, this actually happened. And there was an, a man named Joseph. He was in a ditch. 
He was in the dungeon, and then he found himself being called up to Pharaoh. Why was he called up to Pharaoh? Well, while he was in the dungeon, he worked the ground like we talked about. He just worked it. He said, I'll do whatever I need to do. And the scripture says that God was with Joseph in the dungeon. He was in the prison, wrongly accused, didn't need, didn't, shouldn't have been there in the first place. And he worked the ground, and he found himself being honored and favored by the warden of the prison and then became second in command in the prison. I don't know if this encourages anyone, but when you're at a low place, you really could work the ground and God could actually elevate you and promote you even in the darkest and hardest seasons of your life. And so then he has, there's this guy that comes down, there's actually two of them that that came down from Pharaoh. Pharaoh sends him, Joseph finds himself underneath the very palace of Pharaoh. It It was Pharaoh's dungeon, it was the king's prison. Only a select few people would go into this prison. So Joseph find him, found himself in there to which one of the cupbearers of Pharaoh was thrown into the prison. And he's distraught and he's upset and he's worried. And long story short, he has a dream. He doesn't know what the dream is. Joseph Ozra hears it and he tells him, this is what the dream is. And I just need you to know this isn't coming from me. It's coming from God. So this is what will happen. And then the dream comes true. That particular man gets sent back up. That was the dream. You're going to go back up with Pharaoh. You're going to be his cupbearer. You're going to, it's all going to be okay. And, and the man told Joseph, I'm going to remember you when I see Pharaoh. I'll remember you. And the scripture says he forgot about Joseph. Joseph was in there for two more years in the prison, working the ground, working the ground. And then one day, Pharaoh has a dream. And it's, it's an interesting dream. For seven years, there's abundance. For seven years, the cows are fat. For seven years, their grain is flourishing over the land. For seven years, it's all dandy. Everyone's dancing. Everyone's having a party. It's all great. It's all wondrous. And then the the scripture says that that Pharaoh had another dream that the cows came out of the water. And this time, they were really really gross. They were really ugly. And they they were sick. And they started eating the other cows in abundance. To which Joseph said, Well, that means there's going to be seven years of abundance, of health, of wonder, of celebration, and then there's going to be seven years of famine, seven years of disaster, seven years, and Joseph knows disaster, Joseph knows the dungeon, Joseph knows the pit, so he's coming and speaking from a place of, he kind of knows where he's speaking from. Have you ever been in a moment where you're talking to someone and you're like, I've been there, done that, I've gone through the hard times, I've gone through the hard seasons, and I love this about Joseph. I wish I could compliment him. I wish if I could see him, I'd give him a hug and say, man, you set the story straight so for all humanity, we can be encouraged of what it takes to be in the low places to step into the the favor of God. Because everywhere Joseph went, he had this favor. We're going to talk about favor. Have you heard that word favor? Favor. Favor? We joke about it when we play games, right? I got the favor of God. I got the right car, favor of God. We joke about it. But it's a real thing. And so Joseph, he's called up by the king, by the man in charge of all of the land, Egypt, called up, and he's standing before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, this is my dream, can you interpret it? And I love this about Joseph. He makes, he lets the man know, the man, I mean the man of the land, he lets him know, before I go any further, I just need you to know something, Pharaoh. I need you to know something about me. I've been in the ditch and I've been in the dungeon, but I've learned something. It was never me that got me out of it. It was always God. So I've had these dreams, and you're coming to me because I know you went to magicians, and I know you went to sorcerers, and I know you went to the card readers, and I know you went to the rock healers, and I know you went to all these people, but I need you to know it's not even me that's going to do it. 
it's going to be God. Because Pharaoh, I can't, but God will. You're needing an interpretation. I can't do it, but God will. But here's the thing. God will use me because he's given me gifts. I don't know if you knew this, but you might have a blessing and a favor over your life, and you might be walking around like it's your own coat, and you put it on yourself, but it came from God. It came from the gift of God, the hand of God, the, the creative nature of God, the uniqueness of God over your life. And so you might be wondering why you're so favored of God or why in the moments it got so hard but something got you out, something snatched you out. Well, it was on my, my own mind and I was smart and I was intellectual and I have it all together and I got the right personality for the right season. And at the end of the day, what Joseph is telling this man, Pharaoh, is I need you to know something. It's not anything I can do, but God can do it. And then I love this about Joseph. Pharaoh doesn't even ask him for advice. He doesn't. He just says, can you interpret the dream? Joseph then, because he understood what it was like to be wrought, like raised in leadership. When he was in Potiphar's house, he was raised in leadership. There's something about a characteristic and a confidence that raises you up in leadership. And then when he was in the dungeon, he did something. He just didn't magically fall and second in command with the warden. He had something on him. He was different. That's why his brothers didn't like him. He was also good looking, the scripture tells us. So then he already had a double uh, uh, favor over his life. But long story short, he tells Pharaoh, I just need you to know that you need to find someone that is going to take the grain because it's going to be a lot. It's going to store it in the houses, store it in the bunkers, store it in the right places. Because for seven more years after, there's going to be famine and it's going to be bad. So you got to have someone that knows how to work math really well. you got to have someone that knows how to serve really well. Because I'm telling you right now, Pharaoh, everyone from the world is going to come because they're going to be in a desolate place, in a broken place. And they're going to look to Egypt. So, Pharaoh, I'm actually giving you a promotion. Everyone is going to come to Egypt because of this. And you need to find the right guy. You need to find the right guy. And then the scripture says, Pharaoh says to his officials, who could do this? Who, 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 what person can, can be the right treasurer, the right financial advisor, the right wisdom? And the scripture says that because Joseph made it clear, like, like God was with Joseph. And just over and over, have you, have you noticed that? This is week three now. So if you've met the first two weeks, every season that Joseph was in, God was with Joseph. I can't. I can't do it, but God will. And so Pharaoh says, I'm going to put you in command. And from the, he's, he, just came from, he's, like, he just came from the prison. He still has his, his the, 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 the reminder this guy came in an orange jumpsuit, had to change to walk into the palace, and now Pharaoh, out of all people, is putting him in command of Egypt. The scripture says now he's second in command. He's the prince of Egypt. Now he's the governor of Egypt. So you can't tell me when all hell is breaking loose over your life, when God tests you, when God tries you. We're singing a song called Refiner. When God puts you through the fire, he's doing something in you, and it's for a purpose, and it's for a reason. For those who have jobs, you know you, you have a job because you're a solution to someone's problem? <laughs> you missed it. You missed it. You're a solution to somebody's problem. So Joseph, because of the famine, is a solution to Pharaoh's problem. So you can't tell me the famine won't bring you favor. 
The famine brought Joseph to the place of favor with the Pharaoh. And so now Joseph, because he has a gift from God, because he's called by God, because God is doing something in his life, he speaks directly through Joseph, interprets this dream, and now Pharaoh puts him second in command on all of Egypt. You know, I, I want to talk to you about this uh, this interesting perspective. I was thinking about this. I don't know. How many people, just to take inventory, are, are right-handed? You're very dominant with your right hand. You write with your right hand. You throw with your right hand. You do everything with your right hand. You're just a right-handed person. And how many people are left-handed? You write with your left hand. Come on, there's only a couple. I'm, I'm left-handed too. Come on. Right here too. So, so get this. I want to read you the scripture, and we're going to talk about this, because this is a cool little thing that God's been teaching me. It says this in Job 23. This was written before Genesis, by the way. This was written before there were scriptures. Moses wrote the first couple books of the Bible. Before there was even a Bible, before there was even a manuscript, Job finds himself in really, really, really far millennia ago. And he's going through something and he's working on something. He's gone through the ditches and he's gone through the dungeon. He's gone through the brokenness of life. And he writes this. He says, behold, I go forward, but God's not there. Where is he? I can't. And and then I'll go backward, but I, I don't perceive him. And he says, on the left hand, say left hand. On the left hand, when he's working, I do not behold him. I, I'm, not, I'm not catching what God's doing with the left hand. And then he says, but, but then he turns to the right hand, but I don't see him there. And when he has tried me. And he's put me through the fire, and he's put me through the dungeons, and it maybe not wasn't him, but it was a circumstance that got me. And so I was learning through the dungeon, and I was learning through the ditch. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. <laughs> That's faith at its best, by the way. Do you know that? Lord, I can't see it. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why my brothers threw me in the ditch. They thought I was handsome and good looking and I also had the coat and I also had the favor of God. But for some reason, I'm in a ditch. The ditch should have killed me. The well should have killed me and I made it out of the ditch. But God, you're doing something. I can't see what you're doing. What are you trying to do in my life, God? Right now, you might be going through a season and you have no idea what God is doing. You can't perceive it. I call it the mystery of God, the wonder of God, the cosmic nature of God. He is yet so big and yet so intrinsically involved in your life. And all throughout the scriptures, it talks about the right hand of God. The right hand of God, son of my right hand. He's a strong right hand. He moves on the right hand. When God's hand is upon you, he moves and he blesses you. And so a lot of times we can perceive and understand to a certain degree what God is doing with his right hand. But we don't realize he's also left-handed too. So there's a lot of right people, right-handed people in the room, right? And then there's very few left-handed. So I write with my left, but I'm confused. I would say I'm ambidextrous, but that's not true to the actual form of the definition of what it is. Right-handed people are dominantly right-hand. That means they work with their right, and science, neuroscience tells us that they're left-brain dominant. So you're right-handed, you're strong with your right hand. You can push things with your right hand. You could pull things with your right hand. When you use your left, you're not so strong. But also the left side of your brain is working and it's controlling. You're using the left side for the right hand. And then the same is true for left-handed. When you're strong in your left, you you can do things when you're left. You can't do it with your right. Neuroscience tells us that you're you're right-brained, right? You think you do a little bit more stuff. You access more of the right side of the brain. And I got news for you today. God isn't just right-handed, and he's not just left-handed. He's ambidextrous. 
I thought I was ambidextrous. I'm not. There might be people in there. Who's ambidextrous? Like true to the form. Right? So right here. I'm not ambidextrous because here's why. I get confused. I can write with my left hand. If I get a pencil with my right, I'm not as good with my right hand. I throw with my right hand. I'm strong with my right hand. But I can't throw. I can try, but I'm not as good with my left hand. I've met guys that throw just as good with their left as they are with their right. I don't know if you play baseball. I have some nephews in here who plays baseball. But there's one thing to learn how to be right-handed, and there's another to be, to, to, to be left. But, but you're really good when it just comes natural. You're ambidextrous. When I, when I shoot a bow and arrow, I'm confused. I don't know if I should use my right or my left. It feels weird to me. I'm not sure what I should do. When I shoot on a pool table, I use my left hand, but I throw with my right. So I'm confused, but I'm not ambidextrous. Ambidextrous is doing it at all times, at all places. It doesn't matter. Give me a left-handed glove, I'll be okay. Give me a right-handed glove, I'll be all right. And the power of what I'm trying to explain to you is oftentimes we get confused because there's just usually right-handed and left-handed. And so we think God's just going to move with his right hand all the time. I see it come. I kind of know what he's doing. I'm waiting for God to move, and he's strong with his right hand. And some of you should praise God because he snatched you with his right hand. He took care of you with his right hand. He blessed you with his right hand. He did everything that you didn't know he was going to do, but he did it with the strong right hand in the favor of God. But he's also ambidextrous. We learn that in the story of Joseph. Just when we see God working, oh, man, I'm in the pit. And then I'm in the prison, and now I'm in the palace. I'm in the palace, and God's using, he's with me, and he's giving me the favor of God. And now I'm in a famine. And the scripture says that, that he's in the chariot. He's in the chariot right behind Pharaoh. And he's in the chariot with the horses, and he, didn't even, he doesn't even know the other officials. And Pharaoh tells Joseph, you're in charge of everyone, even beyond everyone except me you're in charge of. I don't know if you've been the type of person that you were promoted and now a lot of people don't like you because they didn't think you deserved to be there. And they're looking at you weird and they're looking at you funny. And so Joseph has to go through some things, but he, Joseph's been refined. He's fit for the season. He's conditioned for it. Nothing, nothing can sway him. And so he's strong. He's moving and he's in the chariot. Right, but I'll contextualize it. He's in the Bentley right behind Pharaoh. <laughs> He's in the McLaren right behind Pharaoh. And the scripture says that Pharaoh puts a gold chain on his neck. And he puts a, a, a ring, a gold ring on his finger to, to resemble the authority that he has over all the land of Egypt. And he says, Joseph, you have all the affairs just as much as I do. Just know this. I'm just above you, but there's no one else outside of me that's above you. And so, so God's moving with his right hand. And Joseph's in the... In a famine, in a famine, he's in the chariot, he's in the Bentley. He's in the Bentley, in the famine, and so the favor came because of the famine. But, but God's working with his right hand. Why? Because as Joseph is in the chariot, and he's got the gold chain on, and he's got the gold ring on, and, and he's, he's blessed because of the famine, his father isn't. And Joseph loves his father, Jacob. And I wonder how many times he would think about his brothers in the land of Canaan, modern-day Israel. And so he's in Egypt, blessed in the famine, but he knows he has family members that are broken in Canaan. And so God's working with his right hand, and, and Joseph can see it now, but we don't realize that God's doing something with his left hand at the same time. I don't know if you knew this, but God can do two things at the same time. 
You might be thinking he's just doing something on one hand and he's working something on one hand, but you have no idea what he's doing with the other hand. You see, God has a way with drawing you out with one hand and setting you up with another hand. I love that. It's only in retrospect, though. It's only when you can look back at your life and see, man, God tested and tried me. God took me through the refiner and God was working in my life. I didn't even deserve to live in that moment. I, I should have been dead in that moment, but God brought me through it. And so now I can see God was actually doing something over here. He introduced me to this person and then I found this church and now I'm in this community. And it's like crazy. I and then I make his core election and it's all in retrospect because that's how God works. That's how God works. And I love, I love that, uh, you know, the famine. You know, so we, we really haven't talked much about Joseph's patriarch, Jacob, right? Like we talked about the ditch and the dungeon and the prison. But we haven't talked a lot about the patriarch. The father of, of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And now Jacob is in a desolate place, in a broken place, in a famine, and now his son. I could only imagine what Joseph might have thought about when he was in the pit, I, I, I sure as hope, I'm so glad my dad didn't see me in this season. But, and, then, and then I wish he would have saw me in Potiphar's house, though. Man, I was working the ground. I was, I was handsome, and I was good looking, and I was working it, and I was doing everything right. And, I was, and then God raised me up, and God gave me favor, and I, I wish my dad could have saw that moment when I was second in command in Potiphar's house. And then the, fl the, the script flipped. And he was thrown, falsely accused, and thrown into a dungeon. And I could only imagine Joseph was probably like, I'm glad my dad didn't see this moment either. But now he's on the chariot thinking about the patriarch. He's thinking about the patriarch. God uses a famine, and he brings him out of the prison. And the famine is the favor, and the favor is the famine. And honestly, you ought to thank God for your famines. You really should. <laughs> All the times that you were tore down, God was doing something while you were on the floor. All the times that you were in the pit, God was working something out. All the times that you were in the prison, God was shifting and working on your character so that one day you can stand in the palace like Joseph. And the thing about being in the palace is that Pharaoh put him in charge of the finances of all of Egypt. So the scripture says when the seven years of abundance ended, Joseph did his job. He put it all in the storehouse. The scripture said there was so much abundance, they stopped counting. And so everyone was good. They were dancing. It was amazing. And then the famine comes, and Joseph knew it was going to come because he's got the favor of God over his life. And because he has retrospect over his life. And because God has shown him this in his life. And so now when the famine comes, he's not, he's not thrown off. And so the scripture says that he begins to serve people. He's serving people grain as they come hungry and broken and thirsty and they're just looking for something because there's famine in the land. And so Joseph now, because God took him through all of these stages of life, he can understand what it's like to be at a low place. He can understand what it's like to be at a place that he does not have. And in every season, though, that you're in, in every season that I'm in, you have to change your perspective and say, you know what, you can't do it. I'm sorry to tell you, you can't. You can try it, work it all you can. You don't have all the strength that you think you have, but I know that God can. And so I have to get into a mindset. That's what Joseph's teaching me right now. At the end of the day, Sammy, you can't do it. 
you think when you go there that you can do it and you're the hot shot and you got all the right things to say and you got all the words to say and you would not understand how to do everything right. But at the end of the day, it's not you, it's God. And so I want to encourage someone in this house to remind yourself that, yeah, it's really impossible, but God can do it. It doesn't make any sense. My finances are broken, but somehow God's going to get me through it. I'm so incredibly weak in this season, but I know that God with his right hand is going to lift me up and he's going to renew my strength. I know some stuff's going on in the family. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult, but God will see me through it. I can't, but God will. Thank you, God, for my families. And that's why when we come to Coin Church, <laughs> you don't know the story of every person that's on their heart. You don't know the song that they're singing. You don't know what ditch they're in. And so I don't know about you, but when worship turns on and I'm singing a song like, you're a fire, the refiner, I want to be consumed. I have some praise in my heart and my soul because I know I'm young, but I've gone through some things. And it's been difficult and it's been hard. And I've seen the testimony of other people. And I just know how life really is. So there's something about when I'm holding Lenya and I'm worshiping and I'm thanking God. Yeah, I, I, I look weird. Yeah, I know it's different. But I don't know about you, but I've just got to a place to say, God, I can't do any of this, but I know you can. So I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you. And in fact, I'm going to thank you for the famine because if it wasn't for the famine, I wouldn't be in the favor. And you have to remind yourself, you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. And maybe you came to Coin Church on a Sunday and you weren't sure if you were going to come because it's the saving time and the time change. But you're here and I don't believe in coincidence. And some young guy is trying to tell you and remind you, you can't do it. Stop trying to do it. God can do it. Give it over to him. Lay it at his feet. Surrender it all to him. Be a sacrifice to God and watch how he moves in your life. And he'll use the famine, and he'll use the desolate places, and he'll use the pit, and he'll use the dungeon, and he'll use the prison to bring you to a place where he tries your character, and he sees how you work in that season because he wants to be able to know if he can trust you with more, with abundance. And it's the favor of God. I love the favor of God. <laughs> I love it. It's one of the favorite things in the scriptures it talks about. That's how the, the Bible explains the favor of God. It says the hand of the Lord was on him, the right hand. If you know the scriptures, it says the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. That's the favor of God. The scripture says the hand of the Lord was on Moses, and everywhere Moses went, we'll learn about Moses in the future. He came out of this. If it wasn't for the famine, if it wasn't for Joseph, and if it wasn't for Jacob, and if it actually wasn't for Abraham and Isaac, there would be no Moses. But God used Moses to set his people free from Pharaoh years and years and years ago when they forgot about this man named Joseph and the family of God. And so God uses the famine all the way to use a guy named Moses, and God tells Moses, don't worry about it. I know you don't speak well. I know you don't look good. I know you don't have all it takes, but I've given you things things in your life, and I also have given you the favor of God. I like the favor. I love the favor of God. I, don't, I know it sounds crazy. I know you're going to think I'm weird, but I'm just confident in the favor of God. I tell myself every time I walk into a room, I have the favor of God. I say, God, I have favor with you, and I have favor with man, and I, God, I've been so obedient to you, and I, God, I've been given to you, and I've been serving your house, and I've been working the ground, and I, I, I don't care what anyone thinks. I just have the favor of God. So whatever room I walk into, although I'm in a desolate place, I got the favor of God. Although it's difficult and it's hard and it doesn't make sense, I have the favor of God, and I wonder how many people are in the room that you don't even realize, but God has favor over your life. It's just the favor. I don't know how to explain it. I'm sorry, I, I really don't. Other than the scripture says God was, he was, his right hand was on him. His right hand was on him. 
I got favor. One thing about favor is if favor is on your life, you will always rise to the top. Always. It might not look like you want it to look because that's why dreams are dangerous. Because we learned that Joseph had a dream and then God way down 13 years. He was 17 years old. 13 years later, my mom always tells me something about 30. I'm young. I know I'm young. But she's like, Sammy, there's something about 30. There's something about 30. All throughout the scriptures, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. And so I, I just know my best days ahead of me in my 30s. I, even, even more so when I'm in my 40s. My best day when I'm in my 50s and my 60s. I actually, it sounds weird. I just got the favor of God. I actually like getting older. I want the gray hairs. I want the wisdom of God. I want the discernment of God. I want to go through the famine. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm at a place in my life, in my discipleship and apprentice with Jesus because he's not just my Facebook guy or my Instagram bio guy. He's the savior of my life. He's the Lord of my life. When I say I'm hungry and I surrender, I actually get on my knees and I cry to him. Because watch this. This is what happens. This is what happens. I know we're almost done. Man, I got so much to say, but we're almost done. Joseph, he's distributing goods now. He's distributing goods, and God's using, he's used his right hand pretty well in Joseph's life. And he's seen the favor of God over his life. And, and Joseph's distributing all day. It's a, long, it's a hard job. He's the problem. He's the solution to a lot of problems. And people are coming, the scripture says, from all over the world because they hear that Egypt has abundance, that Egypt has food. And so they're hungry. And so there's an old little man in Canaan. And he looks to his sons and he goes, why do you keep looking at each other like you have the solution? He says, I hear that there's food in Egypt. Go to Egypt, but don't take Benjamin. That was Joseph's brother. He says, go to Egypt and, and get food. Here's money. Go get the food. And so the scripture says that Joseph, he's, he's, he's working his job. He's, he's, got a, he's got a long job. It's a hard job. And he's serving people. And he's giving people the right portions and the right food. And he's got to have wisdom. And he's got to have discernment. And he's using the Pharaoh's money. And he's using Egypt's money. So he's, he understands budget. And he's doing it well. And he's come to a long day. And his officials say, oh, Joseph, there's, a, there's another family here. And they, they said they came from Canaan, man. That's far. That's a far place. Joseph says, Canaan, okay. <sighs> I've had a long day, just bring him on in. And the scripture says that his brothers came hungry. They were hungry. And here's the thing. If you know anything about biblical theology, Joseph is an echo of Jesus. And so the prince is standing and he's distributing food. And he says the people that wanted him dead but there's something about a champion. There's something about someone that's been humbled by God. There's something about someone that's been matured in the Lord where you don't want to do someone wrong just because they, were, they did wrong to you. There's something about forgiveness in someone's soul. And so Joseph had to learn that in the 13 years that he was thrown in the pit by his brothers. And now the scripture says that they didn't even recognize Joseph, his brothers. Like literally his flesh and blood didn't even recognize him. He was dressed differently. He didn't have a different coat on. He had a better coat on. And so they might have recognized him in the pit, but they didn't recognize him in the palace. And some people won't recognize you when you're doing your thing and God's raising you up. And they might, they might criticize you and they might say you're doing it all wrong and you don't have the right answers, but you just got the favor of God over your life. And so the, the, the men come to look for favor from a man of favor, a man that's highly favored. 
And so Joseph, an echo of Jesus, is standing, and the scripture says that they don't even know it's Joseph. And Joseph long story, there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot, you should read it. it it's really good. It'll, it'll bless your heart. We don't have time to go through it. But the scripture says that Joseph is looking at his brothers, and he's holding back tears, and he doesn't know if he should have resentment, or he doesn't know if he should have grace. And the scripture says that he gives them the food, but, but they're hungry. And when, have you ever been hungry? Like really hungry for God? For God. I don't know about you, but when it gets really difficult, I fall on my knees. I don't care what anyone says. Kelly thinks I'm crazy. What's going on? Are you okay? I'm on my knees. Lenya will look at me and say, are you okay, Dad? I'm, on my, I'm hungry for God. And I'll fall on my knees because I'm hungry. I'll fall on my knees because I'm thirsty. And so they come because they're hungry and they're looking to a man that's highly favored, favored and and. and uh, Highly favored in high places. And the scripture says that Jesus, when he died and he was resurrected, that he sits at the, the right hand of God. And, and he's, he's seated in highly places. And so this God, the God that I serve, the God that you serve, he will give you favor in the famine. He will give you blessing where it doesn't make sense. He will walk with you through the highest, highest mountaintops and lowest valleys. And so Joseph begins to distribute the food and he remembers the dream. The dream was different though because dreams are dangerous. He thought he was going to be the guy that was like all tough. Man, you're going to bow to me one day, brothers. And the stars and the moon's going to bow to me. But he's at a different place. He doesn't even care about that anymore. His heart is, is changed because God changed his heart because he was with him in the prison. He was with him in, in, the, in the palace and he was with him in the dungeon. He was with him in the high and the low places. And so I want to encourage you guys and I want to remind you guys that the devil would love to tell you, how do you know you have favor when you're in the famine? You ain't got no favor. Talking about you got the favor of God. Walking out saying, I got the favor of God. God's going to give me favor in my life. But the enemy would love to tell you, you you're not going to amount to anything. You don't have what it takes. You got an ugly past. You got an ugly history. And God can't do anything with your life. But that is the lie of the devil. And God wants to remind you today, you came to Coin Church to be reminded that there's actually favor in the famine. And if you would just hold on tight and if you would just let God do his work, you can't get out of it, but God will get you out of it. You can't make it work, but God God will. You can't do it, but God will. So watch this. This is the right hand of God, and we're going to be done. We're going to be finished. We can lower the lights. We can make the mood look good. In Romans 8.28, it says this. I love this. This is so good. Paul tells us, he says, and we know that all things, say all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. In all things, in the right hand of God, when it's all making sense, and in the left hand of God. Abraham, Joseph's great, 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 great granddaddy had no idea, but he just knew he had the favor of God on him. So he took his son, his only son, and he said, son, God's called us to do a sacrifice. And, and Isaac's like, okay, dad, well, I see the fire, and I see the wood, and I see, like, what we need to do, but where's the sacrifice? And the favor of God and the right hand of God, the love of God says, Abraham's like, it'll be all right. God will bring the, God will bring the sacrifice. And so with one right hand, the power of God, the movement of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, with one hand as they go up the mountain, it wasn't the sacrifice that they were thinking because he knew he had favor from God. With the right hand of God, he was coming up the mountain, and God, he, God's an ambidextrous God, so with the left hand, he had a ram coming up on the other side. And you need to know that God will work all things out, not for your glory or for your kingdom, but for his Joseph told his brothers when they thought they were, he was gonna, they were going to kill him. 
because the dad died and they're like, well, now Jacob, like Joseph doesn't really like us. The only reason he liked us is because dad's here, but now dad's dead. And so he's going to kill us, guys. He's going to kill Simeon, he's going to kill us. Benjamin, he's going to kill us. Reuben, they're gonna, Judah, he's going to kill us. And Joseph said, you, you meant it for evil, but I just need you to know something because I've been through some things. I've been through some things. You meant it for evil, man. But God turned it to good. And, and not only did he turn it for good, he didn't just do it for me. He did it so that he can tell his story. And so I realized I, I'm just a piece in the story of God. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I'm just a little piece in the story of God. Joseph tells his brothers, you meant it for evil. You wanted me dead. But God used that for good and for his kingdom. So watch this. We're done. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the father of many nations, the father of generations. That's how God works. That's how God is. That's why we love generations here at Coin Church. Because God will do something in a legacy. And it might not have been your dream, but it could have been your great, 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 great grandson's dream. And that's why my mom taught me it's important to keep praying when it doesn't make sense and it doesn't look good because God's using his left hand and you don't have no, no idea what he's doing with the mystery of God. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Jacob had two sons. One was Esau, one was, what's the other name? Isaac. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had two sons. One was Esau. What's the other name? I'm blanking. Esau and Jacob. <laughs> Jacob. And then Jacob has a son named Joseph. And this is what's powerful to me about Jacob, is that Jacob had a son named Joseph. And if it wasn't for Joseph, there wouldn't be a famine. And if it wasn't for the famine, he wouldn't be in a high place in Egypt. And if it wasn't for him being in a high place in Egypt, the father brought, the patriarch came all the way from Canaan into Egypt. And then what happened was there was a man named Moses and he was born. And the scripture says that the men no longer cared about Joseph and the Hebrews. And there was a Pharaoh that didn't even care about the Hebrews. So then the Pharaoh said, there's so many Hebrews, they're going to overtake us. We're going to make them slaves. And so Moses steps up, he rises up, and then he gets over and he's in the land of the wilderness. And then from the wilderness he goes all in. There's a woman named Rahab and God uses a man named Joshua. And God uses generations and generations, and then he raises up a man named Samuel who, who, who anoints a man named David, and then David fights a guy named Goliath, and then David goes through ditches and dungeons and prisons, and then God raises David up. And if it wasn't for David, God tells David, I'm going to bless your kin because I'm a God of generations. I'm going to bless your offspring. It's not you that can build a temple. You got blood on your hands, but your son will. And after your son, for generation after generation after generation, I'm a God of generations. The kingship will be forevermore. And if it wasn't for David, there wouldn't be Israel. And if it wasn't for Israel, there wouldn't be a man named Jesus who died on a cross, who was raised on the third day, and who now gives us life forevermore. Would you stand with me? We're going to finish and pray and worship. Jesus, thank you so much for the famines in life, for the brokenness in life. God, thank you for reminding me that you are so good. And sometimes we forget the Bible names, God, but that's okay. <laughs> you're good and you're grateful and you're merciful and you love us and you watch over us. And there's someone in the room that needs to be reminded that they can't do it, but God, if you're in it, they can. You can do it, Lord. And you work all things out for those who love and are called according to your purpose. So God, bless us today as we move forward. Bless us today as we're in the dungeon. Bless us today as we're in the low places because you're doing something and you're building character. And it's in your name we pray. 
Amen and amen.